two lit chicks, book fights, Julia and Ed. We're back with Richard Swan again to chat all things writing advice. If you haven't listened to our episode with him from earlier this week, please do. There are lots and lots of fabulous snippets in there and uh, and we learn a lot about Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little too much. <laughs> too much, yeah, some would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, so, I mean, you've, you've, you went from self uh, pub to trad pub. And yes. uh, you did sci-fi, uh, sci-fi series in your self-pub. And then when yes. you went into Trad Pub, you did a fantasy series. Um, I did. So tell us, tell us, what is your top writing advice that you would give to a, a young sci-fi fantasy writer? Or any writer? My, yeah, yeah my, my writing is going to be very trite, I'm afraid. Um, my top writing advice is, well, there's a reason for me personally. Well, let me give you a bit of background first. I think um, when I was born no when i um <laughs> when i was <laughs> go back to the beginning <laughs> yeah, yeah right where i said right at the beginning of time um i remember he was ian Banks. you know i'm a huge ian banks fan and i remember him i don't know whether he said it or whether he was repeating somebody else who said it but it was the idea was that you had to write a million words mm-hmm. um as, pra- as practice you know before you could really kind of find your narrative voice before you could really kind of um you sit down and find out what kind of writer you wanted to be or, or, or even could be, um, you had to write a million words or, you know, the first million words of practice or whatever, you know, there's various, um, you know, different takes on that piece of advice. But the idea is obviously you just write a lot. And I think it was interesting. I did a, a few years ago, I did, um, I sat down and I, and I got a little, I made a little table um, of all the books I'd ever written and I added them all up and added up all the word count. And it was, it was a really interesting, sorry, self-indulgent exercise. Um, but I, I've written about, oh gosh, probably about 20 or so books now um, since I was about 12. And obviously loads of those are just, you know, just nothing. They've just trunk novels and, and whatever. Um, but I could have d- divided them up into little epochs. Um, and so I had my kind of, you know, early, very early stuff, which is just hilariously bad. And then I was about, when I was about um, 17 or 18, I wrote my first kind of long form science fiction novel. It was about 140,000 words. It was the longest thing I'd ever written. Um, and that was kind of the first book, I think, that really cemented my um, my sort of style, if you like. I really sort of finding the beginnings of my narrative voice there and how I approached the, the task of writing a novel um, and that kind of blueprint for that structure. I still use that structure to this day of, of how I approach writing a novel, even you know just from the outline process. And then I went through a phase of writing a, like a ton of fan fiction. I wrote like five novels worth of kind of Warhammer fan fiction in my kind of late teens, early 20s. And then, and it was only at that point, then I started writing the Art of War trilogy. So that was my self-published trilogy of science fiction novels. And there was about, there's three books and there's another one, there's a fourth book and a couple of novellas. And I and I worked out that when I started the Art of War trilogy, I had written about 500,000 words at that point. So over the course of maybe 10 years or so, I'd written half, half a million words. And so it was interesting to me that it, and I look back at the Art of War trilogy and I think those books are okay. You know, they're not, they're not, bad books that I wouldn't write those books necessarily in, in that way now um I think I'm a better writer now but I don't they weren't bad enough to edit heavily or even you know depublish I thought I was happy to kind of keep my name to them um and so it was interesting that that's the half million word mark and then the, I wrote the justice of kings which obviously was my first you know traditionally published novel almost it was what 1.1 1.2 million words I'd written that book so it was really interesting how I'd kind of taken this piece of advice, which was you need to write a million words uh, before you turn out anything good. And then almost exactly after a million words, I wrote my first kind of um, <laughs> you know, very successfully published novel. So, 
you know the old the old the old advice that you know write a lot and read a lot i think is just the only good advice um and all of the other advice i hear all of the other writing advice that i see and read and all these kind of adages about what you should and shouldn't do i just think it's just not good advice um you know and right i'll give you an example show don't tell right mm-hmm. I, I think it's one of just the worst pieces of advice you could <laughs> anyone can have like it's a dreadful piece of advice because obviously there is merit in showing things and you should show things and there's a skill in doing that and you there's a skill that you can only hone with practice but sometimes you can just tell stuff as well like telling is fine we have been conditioned to reject being told things mm. for some reason and i'm not really sure why but if you read books that were written you know, in the 20th century, that's all they do. It's they just tell everything. They just basically mm. say, right, here's the story. Bam. You know, and, and some of the great works of modern literature, are cons- you know, works that are considered to be the great, uh, uh, are all just telling. You know, this is uh, here and this happened and then he went here. And it's almost like this kind of utterly different style, which just sort of wouldn't pass muster. And so, you know, my advice is always do the thing that makes your book interesting and unique because you can especially in fantasy because you can be guaranteed that there will be a thousand other books that are doing the other stuff Mm. so you know when i was thinking about um you know the justice of kings i was writing that trilogy um and i wrote the third book that's all finished it's all done and dusted now um and i was coming to the end of that book and i was like there was a trial scene in 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 the first book but that and that was a very pared back trial scene as well it was originally a lot longer um and the, and i thought um oh you know the fantasy sort of convention is you know you write a big battle and that's sort of kind of the big climax and there is a big you know, there, there is a big battle right um yeah. but Check. um yeah exactly yeah just tick that off and i actually find writing battles you know quite um, quite dull if i'm honest i don't enjoy writing them necessarily um but i thought i really want to have a big trial scene in this book and i just don't really care if that's not like the what how a big fantasy trilogy should be concluded this is you know if you want to read a fantasy trilogy that is concluded by a massive battle my god there are plenty there's, there's of a long list yeah. <laughs> yeah you know there are a million books that are doing that and and so go and read those so that's well, what that's, you want that's what i find quite refreshing about the empire the wolf trilogy at least the first two books because i'm kind of the same i'm not really interested as much as maybe a a lot of other fantasy fans in that kind of just sort of big action big battles um Mm. a a lot of the um you know well i was going to say something about my own novel that i'm not not allowed to say anyway in in a hypothetical (laughs) in a hypothetical world where people were trying to get me to (laughs) to edit parts of my own book um Mm. a, a lot of the feedback is you need more action you need more action and yeah. it's pay- painful to put, that, to put that action mm. in because I yeah. love dialogue in rooms. And that's why Same. I think your Just Just of Kings was so, maybe it's why it was so popular because it was this slightly refreshing take where the, yeah. the best of it, I mean, there's some great, you know, action scenes as well, but the best of it is just like people talking with really good dialogue, intense scenes. Mm. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, no, thanks. I, I, think, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, you just got to do especially these days when there's just you know god knows how many books are being published um you know even just even just being traditionally published there are so many let alone you know indie publications um and i think you know when i was first 
published when I was first becoming published, and I was speaking to my editor about it, and he was saying what what he liked about the Justice of Kings and why he bought it um, was they have this kind of phrase that they use in in publishing, which is familiar but different, um, Mm. which is where you're kind of like, you're hitting the broad stroke. So, you know, I'll be the first to admit in the Justice of Kings and the Empire of the Wolf, you know, trilogy, the the world building, and there's a lot of detail in the world building, um, you know, for sure. And I've got pages and pages of documents of, you know, family trees and all the rest of it. But the actual world itself it's not groundbreaking it's just a fairly standard kind of medieval setting i know but you know it's it's but that's not what the story is about the story is about the kind of the legal aspect and so that's what they liked you it hit that kind of sweet spot of oh this is a medieval this is a kind of western medieval fantasy that you know readers they know and they love oh but here's a a legal twist on it which makes it interesting and there's a hook um and so that's why the justice of kings did well and that's why i got the deal that it got um and i and so i was just thinking you know when i'm writing it i just think no like just trust trust yourself trust the process you know you put that incredibly lengthy (laughs) talk about ethics in there like you know because you know people don't want to read that can go read another book but this is what my book is about my book is a treatise on deontologism versus consequentialism um that's masquerading as a fantasy novel i think that's how it's ma- i think that's how it's marketed right i think that's how all yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, so i'm not surprised I've, I've, at all that it became a sunday times bestseller that's exactly i've, I've hoodwinked <laughs> tens of thousands of people into a jurisprudence lecture i think i remember the posters um, actually yeah deontologism yeah, and consequentialism right. Right. And, yeah well, actually, I'd I like think... to talk to you about that, the Sunday Times bestseller thing, because um, mm. I heard you say in another podcast that it's not as mm. many books sold as you'd think to get it's onto not. that list. It was, certainly wasn't when I when I did, um, mm. you know, and, and so, some people, you know, some of my friends, um, authors who I know um, who have kind of debuted and who have got the sales numbers that in, in other circumstances would have landed them on the list. Mm. But their book has come out in the same week as, you know, J.K. Rowling and Richard Osman, mm. um, who are sh- who are shifting, you know, 100,000 copies or something. Mm. Um, and so they haven't. But it, it's, it's a fickle thing. And I. And I think it, specifically to me, it was February, which I didn't really realize this, but when, when again, when my editor sort of first bought my book, they wanted it to be April, um, an April release, which is apparently much more, I'm not really sure why, but it's it's a much more kind of um, popular month for fantasy releases. And there's obviously marketing data, which suggests that it's better for some reason. Well, it's because it's obviously um, a beach read, right? Well, presumably, <laughs> although it's pretty cold in England in April. <laughs> Last on time I was in the UK, it was snowing. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so they, you know, they didn't like that it was, it was in February, but it was shunted there for some reason, I think for scheduling conflicts or whatever, which is, you know, I'm given to understand as kind of the doldrums for publishing. And so, you know, it came out in February, it was a quiet week, there wasn't a huge amount being published. And so it was, I say, I mean, it was still a wonderfully large number. It was something like two and a half thousand, um, which I was, you know, which I'm told is, is more than. A huge number of books will ever sell, let alone you know yeah. in week one. But you know, in in the scheme of um, Sunday Times lists, it's it's pretty far down there um, mm. at, near the bottom. Um, it just so it just so happened that, that that it was enough to get it in at number five. Um, but still, a great accomplishment. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't want to take that away from you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. It's 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 a little bit of you know how the sausage is made um, when you when you get into publishing, um, and it's not necessarily. 
uh, all kind of like, um, wow, this book was just so amazing that like two and a half thousand people just had to have it week one. Um, you know, there's a little more that went into it than that. Um, yes, yeah. And it was, you know, there's was, there was crate editions and things that kind of helped that number up. So it wasn't quite like, which is one of the best bloody book ever and everyone's just got to have a piece <laughs> of the pie. Um, you know, there were sort of definitely factors that worked in my favour. Um, but yeah, it, uh, that's uh, that's kind of that's kind of how that came about. Oh, fantastic! And it's David Eddings, by the way. I was going to say who said the uh, the million words thing. Oh, is it? Looked it up. Yeah, yeah. David. Oh, well Eddings. done. Yeah, yeah. It's and I think that's I think that's it. It's it's just right. I am not a good writer because I um, just randomly one day had a brilliant idea and wrote it down. I think I'm a good writer. Because... I'm, not, I'm not a good writer. <laughs> I'm not a good writer. Full stop. <laughs> that's a, no. That's it. That's. <laughs> I'm not a good writer. Um, it's it, it's just like literally anything. It's just practice. You know, mm. you don't. You wouldn't pick up a trumpet and just expect to know how to play it. And even after a year of playing it, you wouldn't. You'd be okay, but you wouldn't be brilliant. You know, I've been writing for so long now. Um, that uh, you know that I've, and there's you know and I was speaking to my editor um I was in London a few years ago and we were having, we went out for a few beers and he said you know what rich some people are just going to hate your book you know some you know, some mm-hmm. people are just going to hate it um yeah. it doesn't matter how good a writer you are it doesn't matter how good the book is there are some people out there who will just detest it um and that's just it you know you just got to make your peace with that so you know you can't be all things to all men but I think you know I think the I, I'm happy with my prose, and I, I'm not, you know, without any false modesty. I think it's, you know, it's good. It's not like particularly lyrical, but it's perfectly serviceable. Um, but and I've got to that stage by just, you know, writing basically week in, week out for two decades, um, mm. and that's the key. It's it's writing a lot, and it's reading a lot. You know, it's reading all the time. You should always have a book on the go, constantly reading, reading, reading. Even if you don't have to read loads of books, but you have to always be reading a book. Um, and just see what how other people write. You know, what are they doing? I read a book a few years ago. Uh, it was an excellent novel. It was called A Sinlin Ascends by Isaiah Bancroft. Um, it was my oh, I read that. Books. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a truly brilliant novel, um, and uh, it's about a man who uh, loses his basically wife at the base of a, a literal Tower of Babel, and he has to go into it and find her. Um, and his his writing is just exquisitely good; like he's it, almost like a poet. Um, you know, his his prose is excellent. So you know, but if I hadn't read that book, I would never have been exposed to that way of writing. Um, and so you know, or I read a lot of. Um, I went through a huge phase of reading a lot of Vietnam War fiction and non-fiction as well. So I read Dispatches by Michael Herr. Um, and and that, again, like if I hadn't read Dispatches, I wouldn't have written a certain post-apocalyptic novel that I wrote a couple of years ago, um, which is out in submission at the moment. And so, you know, read broadly and constantly um, write all the time and it just and find your voice and do the thing that makes your work interesting and, and different um, because ultimately all of the you know all of the great books that you read are the, are the ones that have done something interesting and unique mm. um, and uh, you know don't be too hung up on you know, hitting all of the tropes and oh god show don't ignore show don't tell i hate that advice so much <laughs> tell I love tell it. tell yeah. the narrative it's it's <laughs> Just, it's so yeah. annoying <laughs> i'm oh, i'm really god. relieved you said all that because i'm constantly hit by writer's guilt because you see on twitter and everything 
all this advice, mm. constantly, constant advice. And I don't, and you're, you're meant to be constantly improving your craft. I mm. never improve my craft. All I do is I just write and I redraft and I read yeah. other people's stuff. I yeah. write, I redraft, yeah, I read yeah. some other books, go, that was cool. I write yeah, and I yeah. redraft. And I'm never, I don't think a single, po maybe may I'll just never be published because of this, but not a single point in the last five years have I ever sat down and thought, I'm going to improve my craft. Like, it's like Stephen King said, just write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've just insulted about thousands of people. <laughs> listening to this. I just, I think once you found your, you know, I found my sort of what I consider to be the sort of your default narrative voice after about half a million words. And I will write in that voice almost irrespective of what I'm writing now. I have quite a sort of semi-formal uh, prose with a fairly large sort of vocabulary. Um, and you know, it's the so same yourself? amount. Yeah, well, <laughs> is, that just, is that a fairly large vocabulary in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Um <laughs> But, but, you know, and some people will just hate that. You know, I've seen my prose described as, as stayed, you know, and, and that's fine. But another people will say, well, just one is a master of prose. And those people are also wrong. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting, but I, I don't think I will ever deviate now from, from that. You know, and I, I'm not really trying to either. I'm just trying to write the ideas that I have because I have so many ideas and I just want to write them. So I'm not really interested necessarily in experimenting with different ways of writing. I just want to write now and get my ideas down on the page. I love this tweet from you uh, from, uh, <laughs> when was it? A couple of days ago. Uh, quote, 2013. <laughs> 2013, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've into your past. Uh, no, you hmm. said, uh, one of the three storylines in my WIP just became 800% more fucked up because I went on a pantsing <laughs> rampage for about 15 minutes and this has changed the trajectory and tenor of the entire novel. And I think there's That's a right. lot of writers who read that and went, yep, yep, yep. I yep. understand. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I don't and I don't normally do that. You know, I, I am a um I am it's a lawyer potter. in you. You like to you like it to is. plan. <laughs> it is. I have the plan and I stick to the plan and I you know, I write it all out chapter by chapter. And but I just had this I got I had three storylines, I had one of them and I was just like, What am I I don't what am I doing with this? Like I'm boring myself even with this. Like, where's this even going? And so I just basically, you know, just like, um, what do they call it? Like, not, is it free writing? Automatic writing. When you just start mm. writing any old shit that comes into your head. Um, and I kind of did this sort of thinking equivalent of that. And I was like, wow, this is, I read some, someone tweeted not long ago. It was like, we need not enough books now. Because this is a good one, actually. Coming back to Peter Hamilton, who we spoke about on the podcast. Um, you know, a lot of his works... You can tell he's just really indulging his id. Like, there's a lot of like sex stuff in there that's not necessarily really <laughs> servicing the, the yeah. yeah, but it's in there, you know. And I feel like, and someone tweeted that recently. They were like, "We don't get enough writers these days, just really just going like, you know, just native in their books, just like really kind of digging down to the psyche, just putting any old shit." Like Stephen King used to do it loads, like some weird stuff in his his books where you can tell he's just taking some drugs and he's like right what the, what the fuck am i going to come up with, come up with the, today the kids the kid orgy scene in it right uh, exactly which actually is a bad example because it's awful but um <laughs> the but the, but i just thought let's just really drill down into richard swan the deep dark recesses of richard swan's mind like just what like let's just go fucking weird let's just come up with something really strange and see where it takes us um and and i and i did and i said yeah that's really fucked up um and it involved someone just having all of their organs removed basically um and then being transmuted into an entirely different form of life 
um, in a in a gross way, in a in a sort of very sort of dark blood magics kind of way. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to lean into this and see where it takes me. Um, <laughs> And so his RM is a horrible part of the book. Um, but, it was, but it was interesting. And I just, just put wish a sex scene would... after, it'll be fine. Absolutely. You know, yeah. just get some more sex and, you know, just fucked up <laughs> stuff in your books, you know, just make it interesting. Just really indulge that kind of that id and, and get it out on the page. I feel like there's yeah. not yeah. enough of that anymore. Be, writing is becoming a bit pedestrian these days. You know, people are frightened. The of... formula Exploring yeah. themselves, you know, just get yeah. in there. Get into indulge, that psyche. Indulge the id. That's a good indulge like the it. id. Yeah. That's it. There you go. That's my writing advice. I'm, I'm That's your bit. Lot. People, people, ten years from now. Just, <laughs> somebody said uh, indulge the id. I can't remember who it was. And, That's uh, right. That, David I think he went to prison. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that major voice of fantasy, Richard Swan? What's he? What's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a field marshal of fantasy now. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for sharing your top advice with us i think that was actually oh, extremely pleasure. valuable i think a lot mm. of people will get good uh good good info out of that so uh thank you very much thanks guys Cheers. thanks again see ya two lit chicks is a podcast about books that change lives find us on all major podcast platforms or go to our website at twolitchicks.org Thanks for listening.